Hey, what's up, family? It's Coach Josh here again with our daily play. In today's daily play, we're going to be talking about are you different enough? Um, it was a message that I believe God placed on my heart, especially last night. And uh, throughout these next few weeks, man, instead of doing live Q&As, I think I want to um, go in the direction of teaching and, and really making sure that I hammer um, points that I think will edify and equip you all um, to be able to navigate these interesting times as well as prepare for your purpose and being focused on and God and, and the essentials of the or the fundamentals of the faith. So I, I'm going to probably just do a little bit more teaching based upon how the Holy Spirit leads me. Um, but today's message is one of those first ones. And we're going to be talking about are you different enough? How to ensure that you remain and continuously become and stay salt and light in this world. So if you're watching this live, do me a big favor. Let me know where you're watching from. And for those who's watching me later or listen later, whether on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, or you watch later on um, YouTube, want to say thank you so much for watching. If this is your very first time, after watching, you're like, man, I like what this guy's doing. I like the word that he's given. Make sure you consider subscribing. I would love to have you part of my community. Hit that bell so you can get all post notifications because I'm going to make sure I focus on equipping the body um, for the for the work um, that Christ wants us to. But let's get right into my notes. Um, but let's, let me check the chat box. He was here. Jay King, what's going on? You just be dropping by. <laughs> I fell out off guard. Yes, we're going to get back to teachers, man. I just think that y'all need some... Um, some more uh, uh, understanding of God's word as well as myself so that we can grow together. But let's get right into uh, uh, my points for this evening. Baltimore's in the building, but we're going to be talking about how different are you. So I'm going to give you all some time to come into the live feed. Make sure you share, get this message out to as many people as possible. I have a lot of notes that I want to cover in a short time frame because I really want us to really assess our lives and ask ourselves, am I different enough to make a difference? But our main thought for today's um, lecture is this. In order to make a difference in the world, you must be different from the world. But before I get into the rest of my points, let me make sure I say hi um, to those in the, uh, the chat box here. Reaching high from Dallas, Texas. What's going on? Lakia Evans from Baltimore. Ari's Journal from Tobago. Small Island of the Caribbean. I know where that's at. Thank you for watching. Jay Lamb, what's good? Coach from Philly. Thank you for watching. Hey, what's going on? Just JNY. Coach uh, Jennifer Webb from OKC, Oklahoma. Thank you all so much for watching. Let's get to right into my points and share this broadcast out and get some notes <clears throat> because we're going to go deep and we're going to really get into some teaching. But the main thought for today's lecture is this. In order to make a difference in the world, you must be different from the world. In order to make a difference in the world, you must be different from the world. The problem, many believers have become ineffective due to compromising behavior. The problem when it comes to a lot of us believers that many of us have become ineffective due to compromising behavior. Ineffective believers are the world's biggest problem. People who think they are effective are not effective. Now, let's break some of these points down. The first main thought in order for us to make a difference in the world, in order for us to make impact, we cannot be like the world. The Bible says, come from among them and be separate. What the Bible talks about, what does light have to do with darkness? And many people in, in Christendom have given clearance to babes in Christ or the non-converted that certain things are acceptable, that certain things are okay to do. But what is becoming or what is happening is that these individuals are mixing with darkness. Therefore, their hearts are becoming darkened, causing them to be ineffective. We have to be the light of Christ. We have to be the salt of this world in order for us to preserve, in order for us to expose so that people can know the difference. How can those in the world that desire to be different see the difference if you just like them? So in order to make a difference in the world, you, me, us, all of us must be different from the world. The problem, 
Many believers have become ineffective due to compromising behavior. <clears throat> like I said, a lot of people in key positions are giving clearances to babes in Christ, giving clearance in the world today that certain things are okay. And the ramifications for that is that a lot of people are becoming ineffective. They're not discipling. They're not witnessing. There's no. There's not enough power or faith for them to endure a tough time, not enough power or faith for them to raise the dead or heal the sick or do what Christ did in his ministry. But we have to assess our lives in this day and age and ask ourselves, am I different enough to make up the difference and to be impactful and to be effective for God? Many people are so consumed in this life that they're not even looking forward to the next life. They're so consumed in this world that they want to reach the world so bad that they think they can use um, the devil's tools and the devil's methods to reach dark people. But in order for us to really reach those in darkness, we have to be the light. Ineffective believers are the world's biggest problem. Now, why did I say that? It's because we were given dominion. We have authority. We have power. Our effectiveness is not based upon how many people can we get into a stream or how many people we can get into a church or how many people can we, quote unquote, say this or that to in regards to salvation or whatnot. Effective believing Effective believers are individuals who are about the commission of God that go out in the world and reach people, not using these different methods and gimmicks to get them, but using the power of God. The Bible talks about the differences between um, 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 a form of godliness and denying God's power. You, most people right now are executing in a form of godliness, but are denying the actual power of God that is able to destroy the yokes. Are you yoking people up to a doctrine of devils or are you breaking the yokes of people from the darkness of this world, leading them to the marvelous light of Christ so they can build that mold into his image so they can become also individuals that are affected. Let's keep going for our next points here. And thank y'all so much for watching. Let's go to our next point. Now, what does it mean to be different? Let's get some definitions and let's talk about what does it mean to be different? The definition of different is this, not the same as another, unlike in nature, form or quality, distinct, separate and unique. Different by definition is not the same as another. Difference in regards to a believer is that we are not the same as the world. That we don't dress like the world, talk like the world, think like the world, process like the world. Now, don't get me wrong. That could be a, a thin line in regards to what's the world and what's the things of God. But we have to use discernment. And most people who are giving clearance for babes to do certain things forget that they're talking to babes. You cannot just uh, um, boastfully broadcast that certain things are okay when you're talking to babes. Because babes would then take that and go the extra mile and find themselves uh, messed up after a while. So we have to understand who we're talking to, what, it, what, what is our goal and methods, so that we can understand that we do not need to use the devil's resources or tools to reach them. Difference by definition is not the same as another. Unlike in nature, we no longer have our sin nature dominant in our lives. We've been set free from that. We have a renewed nature in our lives. It says um, not the same as form or quality distinct, separate, and unique. We are a royal priesthood. We are different. We are peculiar people. And we have to operate in our distinction because how can people know who Christ is if we're not Christ-like? So we, <clears throat> in regards to believers, <clears throat> excuse me, must be different in, 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 in uh, nature, in form, in quality, in distinction. We have to be separate because if there's no separation, how can there be a decision? If there's no separation, how can there be an opportunity for a person to say, is this what I really want or not? Let's keep going. You have to be different to make a difference and to make up the difference. You have to be different to make a difference. Now, what does that mean? 
In order for me to make a difference in a person's life, I have to show that Christ has made a difference in my life. And a difference in my life is evident in the different actions and the fruit that I bear. If there's no difference in fruit, then there must be no difference in root. If there's been a change in a root, there's going to be change in fruit. So you have to allow the Holy Spirit through your sanctification work to make a difference in you so that people can be curious. But if they're seeing you coming over on their end, making a difference to be more like them, then they're going to be like, what much, what must, what much more should I do in my life? What, what changes should I make? And then all of a sudden you are now pulling people into the gray and people are being brought into the lukewarm thinking they're hot, but, but uh, under God's jurisdiction, those people are not uh, such. So in order for us to make a difference, we have to be different. And it says to make up the difference. And I have to do different things in order for make me for me to make up the difference between who I am now and who I need to be to be effective. What is the gap between the person that God has predestined for you to be? What is the gap between who you are now and the person you need to be to operate a level of efficiency and effectiveness that's really going to be able to reach others? See, I got to always be self-examined self-aware, looking at my life, asking myself, what, what more ground should I make up? Where else in my life can I allow the Holy Spirit to renew, to make me new so that I can be the, the person I need to be to reach the who and to bring them into a place to recognize who Christ is? There is a difference. There's a gap. You, you're not going to be able to really be effective with the same kind of habits as making you ineffective. You have to be different to make the difference and to make up the difference. You have to do different things in your life, allowing the Holy Spirit to be creative, allowing the Holy Spirit to let you know, man, here is how you should move now. This is how you should think so that you can become an effective person for God's kingdom. Let's keep going for time's sake. You have to do things differently often to make up the difference between the person you are now and the person you need to be to make a difference in the world. Let's keep going. God wants you different for a reason. What's the reason for us to draw men to him? He said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men. It's not our, our outfits. It's not our, our, um, our, our whatever it is that's, that's in the world. Is if he be lifted up. Is he lifted up in your life? Is there evidence that he's in your life or is it just a form of godliness? And I have to assess that in my own life, that if I want to make a big difference in the world, then I got to do things differently. And, and the difference that you make in the world is determined by your desired outcomes. If your desired outcomes in life is just to be shallow, if the desired outcomes in your life is just to be a child in the kingdom, if that's your desired outcome, you're not going to look to do anything different in your life. But if you desire revival, if you desire impact in the world, if you desire casting out demons, raising the uh, dead and healing the sick and making disciples and going into all the world, even in your world in <clears throat> business and education, if that's your desired outcome, then you will be able, you will be a person that welcomes the disciplines to ensure not disciplines working for love or working for righteousness, but a discipline that is inspired by the goodness of God and says, I want to make sure I am my best to give God who is the best, the best out of me. That's why there's a reason for us to be different. There's people in the world right now that's looking for different people to point them to the way, not to come their way to bring them out, but to say, I am a city set on a hill. I am a light that you see. Light don't find darkness. Light just illuminates. Let's keep going. Being a light is no light matter. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but for time's sake, let's keep going. What hinders us from being different? Here are seven things that hinders believers and individuals from being different and making a difference in the world. 
Number one, H, hopelessness. A lot of believers right now feel hopeless. They don't feel the hope of God and they don't feel the joy of God and they, they feel in a rut. They don't have no hope. And so if they have no hope, they fall to dope. And then that dope leads them to cope. And now they get in this spiral where they're tied by ropes and hindering them from being effective. Number one, hopelessness. I, intimidation. Many people feel uh, that they, they don't want to be different because they're intimidated by the ramifications, spiritual warfare wise, that may come their way. See, the devil always going to try to exude from him fear to make you intimidated from being a difference. And yes, it's going to be persecution from being different. But the but the um, the fruit from being different is far greater than the persecution you will face. So what hinders people from being different is they are intimidated by it. They don't want no persecution that comes with that. They don't want to go through anything. They want to be liked so bad so they be like the world so that nobody can persecute them for Christ's sake. Why would anybody persecute the modern church right now? The modern church right now has become just like the world. Therefore, there's no persecution there. Right now, the world the world, and the demons and the, and the entities that's involved in the world system is using this modern church to persecute the real church. The real church is being persecuted, not by the world, but by their pawns in this modern church. I see more bloodshed and, and from church against church and the fake church from the real church that, that is almost like it's Christ bleeding again. <clears throat> but it's unfortunate how there's a lot of people in the modern day cult like church that's persecuting the real church, calling them legalistic, calling them uh, uh, whatever they're religious. And they want that they want that stigma on the real church so that people will flood into this one world church system that's going to cause people not to really find salvation in Christ. Number three, in no reason to say no. When there's compromise, when 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 there's everything goes, do what you want to do. Then there's no reason to say no. There's no reason. There's no need to die to self. So if if there's no call for difference, then I won't have to be different. Number four, D, deception and demonic influence. That's what's going on in our world as well. People have been deceived into thinking that being carnal and compromising. And and, and 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 overshadowing and hiding habitual sins is okay. The word of God is not an opinion. God's word doesn't say, well, well, later on down in life, it will be okay to do X, Y, and Z. No, you have to understand that the word of God is not an opinion. It is the truth. And right now, people are losing the truth because of demonic influence and deception. E, envy. What hinders people from being different? They envious. They want the world so bad. They want success so bad. They, they, they say, you know, I don't need God anymore. I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't want to be different because different start affecting my pockets. It makes my money look different. If I decide to be different, I got to put money and leave money on the table because I need to be different. But what currency are we running off of? Are we running off the, off the financial system of the world or, or are we running off the favor of God? Let's keep going. Our relationships, poor relationships. <clears throat> Excuse me. What hinders a lot of people from being different? Bad relationships, bad associations. People are, are in the wrong groups, cult-like groups, groups that's not even pushing people to be more like Christ. Poor relationships. Last but not least, S, what hinders us from being different? Selfishness. We just want what we want. Let's keep going. You are the salt of the earth. Let me make sure I read the text um, that's coming from uh, what's text is this? <laughs> I ain't even write it down. But anyway, it says you are the salt of the earth. I think I did. Hold on. Give me one second. Let me pull up the scripture. Let me find it real quick. So we can read it and exegete the text. Uh, Matthew, Matthew 13. We'll start there. Matthew 13 says, 
It says, you are the salt of the earth. We're going to start there. We're going to exegete for a minute. Let's exegete the word of God. Let's really get in deep in it so we can better understand how we can be different in this world. It says, you are the salt of the earth. Now, first point that I have here says, you are the salt of the earth, not the world. Modern day Christianity will almost give the illusion that we're supposed to preserve the world. No, we're supposed to preserve the earth. You are the salt of the earth. We're supposed to preserve everything God created, not what Satan created. The world system is created from the devil's um, um, is from the devil's point of view. He says, you are the salt of the earth. We are supposed to preserve what God created. We're supposed to preserve those people that are earth that's from the earth, preserving them. It doesn't say you are the salt of the world. We're not supposed to preserve the world system. That system is dead. The Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. And all of these different things are passing away. And what most people are finding themselves in two, three, four, five years now, they're going to find themselves passing away with this world system. And they lost their saltiness. They lost their essence. They lost who they are. And they're not preserving what God has created us to preserve, using our dominion to preserve. My thing is, what are you preserving? Are you perverted or are you preserving? Let's keep going. It says you are the salt of the earth, not the world. Do you know who you are? Now, let's talk about three things that salt is. Number one, salt is precious. Back in the Bible days when Jesus was talking to the disciples and the people that was up under his voice, uh, 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 salt was valuable. Most people use salt as a form of payment. That's why you heard the phrase, he was worth his salt, meaning that, that people worked actually for salt because that's how valuable salt was. So God is, also, is telling us as believers that your difference is valuable. Your, your compromise is is not valuable. And what most people thinking is, well, I'm, I'm bringing people into the church. I'm, I'm reaching people and I'm in the world. I'm listening to this kind of music. I'm watching these kind of music and movies. And what's happening, you're becoming darkened in the process and you're being proven ineffective because the world system is like candy. It loses these different methods that's tailored to the flesh to drag the fresh flesh into compromising positions, causing them to be comfortable in sin, comfortable in lifestyles, comfortable in thought patterns, causing them to be ineffective. But God is saying, man, no, you are the salt of the earth. Meaning, number one, you are precious. You are valuable. Your distinction, your difference in me is valuable because when people see you and they know who you are, they're going to be like, my life is not being preserved, but her life is being preserved. My life is not being preserved, but hers is. Why is she gaining favor? And I'm over here counting pennies. They're going to be able to look at your life and be like, there's something working on behalf of her. There's something working on the behalf of him. And, and, and there's a level of preciousness, a level of value that comes for the believer, because when the believer is removed from any place, that building, that entity, that business loses some essence. He says, you are the precious of the earth, the salt of the earth. Number one, you're precious. Number two, salt preserves. Salt is needed to stop decay. Back in the Bible days, salt was used, and even now, as a preservative to preserve meat so that, so that meat won't decay. If we lose our saltiness, we lose our ability to stop the decay in our world. Decay continues when we continue to decay. That's the ultimate angle of the enemy is to ensure that we decay, that we begin to slowly drift from who we are. Now, we're talking about in our soulish realm, decaying in our thoughts, decaying in our emotions, letting depression be in a dominant setting in our life, causing such decay that we lose our way. 
But we have to know that we are clay in the master's hands, letting him mold us so that when he releases us, we're able to preserve. Salt is needed to stop decay. Decay continues when we continue to decay. Another, another key thing about salt, salt promotes. Salt makes better. We are to add flavor. Salt is considered as, as a flavor enhancer. That, that we as salt, we're supposed to bring the love that makes families better, bring the joy that makes companies better, bring the patience that makes uh, parenting better. You see what I'm saying? We're the flavor. The world is looking for us. But if we continue to compromise, the world is not going to be preserved, not preserved, but the, the different things within the earth realm that needs that needs preserving won't have it. We're supposed to make everything we touch better. And we don't need the world stuff to make the world better. All we got to do is be loving, being joyful, being kind, being gentle, being merciful, being long suffering, being self-controlled. Those are the things that preserves families, preserves businesses, preserves ideas, preserve creative endeavors, preserve churches. It's not music and smoking. I've been guilty of. I used to try to use the world's methods to reach the world. You reach people. But what I what I realized over time, whatever you use to get them is what you have to use to keep them. If you use carnal means and methods to reach carnal men, they will remain carnal. All we got to do is be who we are in Christ and we will be we will prove our value. We will see they will see the value in our ability to preserve. And then it will be like, man, when this person's involved, the favor of God in them makes everything better. Was it not Joseph, his uniqueness and connection to, the, to, to God that preserved Egypt? Daniel, because of who he was, preserved whatever kingdom he was a part of. But when you're compromising and you're not allowing yourself to be preserved in the sanctification work of the Holy Spirit, you lose your salt. And let's get to our next point. It says this text continues to read in Matthew. But if salt has lost its taste. How shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Man, this is powerful. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? If it is, it is no longer good for anything. Come on now. When we continue to go down these carnal roads and start compromising in relationships, compromising in private, compromising in the world's tentacles when it comes to secular music, when it comes to TV, and people are giving clearances to this right now, that people are saying it's okay to listen to certain things because they don't understand the demonic, satanic ramifications that comes when, when believers entertain things that are demonic. And people think, well, it's innocent. Do you not know the most devilish uh, uh, things in the world are hidden in the innocence? That is in the innocent things, the things that we overlook is where there's the most power, the most demonic power against the believer and against people. But people don't see it that way. They just think, hey, it's innocent. No, the enemy works at his best in innocence. He knows that music is one of those things that cause the body to be in a trance. And when the body is caught up in the rhythmic uh, of the music, the, the agenda of the message, the spells and the curse in the music is now interjected in that individual soul, causing that person to mimic what they listen to or mimic what they watch. That's why the result of our generation right now is the is the is the is streamlined right from fatherlessness. Because when there is no father who's anchored in the father of, of, up above, there's no guard, there's no direction, there's no whatever. And when you lack spiritual discernment 
and you lack spiritual focus, you will start giving clearance to everything because this man of God, this woman of God said, this is okay. They subconsciously, subtly through their Instagram videos, play certain secular songs, making it clear that it's okay to do whatever, not knowing they're being used as a puppet and a tool to open the door for demonic um, strongholds and people. And then now these little babes in Christ who ain't got no spiritual fathers and nobody guiding them are now boastfully um, defending these different satanic means. And now the, the now they're de uh, demonizing the, the real church that's screaming to them, no, that's danger there. And that's why right now, all I got to do is preach the truth and people ain't going to like this. But three to five years from now, they're going to wake up and realize that man told me the truth. But we have lost our saltiness. Because these modern day cults and these modern day pimps as preachers has give clearance in the modern in, in the modern day of, of, of believers, causing believers to be carnal, causing believers not to be effective and nobody healing nothing. Nobody casting out nothing. Nobody discipling nobody. Nobody's in their Bible. Nobody's to themselves. And this coronavirus has proven that people wasn't in the vine of Christ. Now. We lose our taste through these four or five things. Number one, we lose our taste or saltiness through temptations and falling into them. We lose our taste. We lose our saltiness. We lose our effectiveness. We lose our ability. We lose our value in the world. We lose our, we lose our ability to preserve and we lose our ability to promote and add flavor due to us continuously falling into temptations. What are you falling into continuously? See, temptations are tailored to you, my friend. They're tailored to you to ensure that you fall. You don't defeat the devil through desires. You defeat him through discipline. And people have the audacity to be like, we, uh, uh, the devil is defeated. Yes, Christ defeated the devil, but there's no muzzle on the devil's mouth. He doesn't have no power to make you do anything. But most of us are so weak mentally that we're not even able to handle the suggestive tactics of the enemy. And we fall into mental snares. Therefore, we fall into physical snares. And we have the audacity to dare the truth as if the truth is wrong. So we lose our taste when we continuously fall into temptations and not building ourselves up in our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, strengthening ourselves, building ourselves up in the things of God, putting on the whole armor of God. So in the evil day, we're able to withstand. We lose our taste through associations. When you begin to get into these cult groups and you get into these friendships and, and you get into these associations and situationships, we lose our saltiness. We lose our distinction through people who don't want to be distinct, people who don't want to change. And what happens is we lose our effectiveness in the world because I, I, I'm so desperate in need for acceptance. Acceptance is the number one, one of the top things that's hindering us today. Our desire to be accepted. Many people right now are so insecure that they find insecurity in these different people groups and they lose themselves. And what oftentimes happens is that people are looking for acceptance, but not working from acceptance. I'm accepted by God. I don't need no new friends. I don't need no new associations. I'm fully content in who God is. I am fully established in the enoughness of God. Therefore, I don't need to be a part of any group to find value. I'm a part of the triune group that has established who I am because I was made in their image, in his image, and in his likeness. So we lose our taste through association. We also lose our taste through sinful ha habits, habitual sins. We lose our taste in that. That goes with the first temptations, and we'll keep going. We lose our taste through thoughts and our talk. We lose our taste. <clears throat> These different cultures are influencing us to think a certain type of way. Your thought patterns will then lead to the patterns that you walk down. 
So we lose our taste when we start entertaining vain imaginations and not really put on the helmet of salvation, knowing that we are assured and we are adopted in the kingdom of God, that we're, that we're working with a specific purpose and, and afford the kingdom business for the family business. So thoughts and talk is what hinders us or cause us to lose our taste or our saltiness. We're thinking wrong. We're talking wrong. Therefore, we're walking wrong. Last but not least, we lose our taste through eagerness. We're so impulsive. We're so eager. We don't trust God's timing. Therefore, when you don't trust God's timing, you're more susceptible to compromise because you're like, I don't trust God in this timing. I want what I want so bad. I want it right now. So I compromise the, 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 the timing of God to have what I have. Next point. When we lose our taste or saltiness, we are thrown out and trampled. This is what Jesus said. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything. There's people right now in the family of God because he says you are. It didn't say uh, you're becoming. It says you are the salt and the light. But when salt has lost its taste, when it has become lukewarm, when it has become carnal, it is good for nothing. There are people in the family of God, good for nothing, good for nothing. No spiritual skill sets. They, they, they may be smart. They may be business savvy, but they have no spiritual um, um, uh, wisdom. They have no discernment. And there's a lot of people right now. There's no good for the father. I don't just want to be in a kingdom. I want to be working for the kingdom. I want to bring people into the kingdom. My question to you right now, are you effective for God or ineffective? God loves us all equally, but he doesn't trust us all equally. I want God to say, I can trust Josh. I, Josh, I know Josh going to get it done. And I know he's going to get it done at a level of excellence. I know that he's going to honor my word and execute the text as clearly and precise that even a six-year-old can understand um, valuable and key points of it. But I don't want to be a person that lose my taste because so that people can can uh, so I can have more friends, so I can have more likes, so I can have more followers. And, and that's why I've already made the decision that if I lose for the sake of Christ, then that was actually a gain. Anything you lose for God is actually a gain, my friend. When we lose our taste or saltiness, we are thrown out and trampled. And you wonder why we as believers have been trampled by viruses, trampled by politics, trampled by demons, trampled, 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 because we ain't good for nothing. And we're not talking about, oh, the marketing strategies of my church. We built this church. No, we ain't talking about that. We're talking about, can you cause principalities to come down off their place? Can Are you able to cast out demons, disciple and be long-suffering with God's people? We're talking about the real world. Work. We're not talking about the easy work of getting people in the church, the church full of people, but not full of converts. So we got to understand there's a difference between being stagnant and seasoned. Seasoned believers are believers who have gone through seasons. That's what makes you seasoned. That's what makes your seasoning, your saltiness effective because you know the things of God. You understand it. You perceive it correctly and you navigate accordingly. But when you become stagnant, you become ineffective. When you become stagnant and you're not investing back in, a, in the sanctification work of Christ, you're not investing back. You got to invest back in it. You got to cooperate with it. You got to welcome the Holy Spirit to renew your mind so that you won't be stagnant, so that you continue to go through these seasons and enhance your season so that you're able to prove the value of salvation, that you're able to preserve the things that God wants you to preserve and that you can promote and enhance the flavor because of the, because of the fruit of the Spirit that's in you. Let's keep going. The next verse says in verse 14 in Matthew 5, it says, you are the light of the world. Key word again, you are. He didn't say um, you will be, he says you are the light of the world. You have to know who you are. 
You are light and you are salt. Let's get into the light portion. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. First point, it says here, you are the light of the world. The first phrase said you are the salt of the earth. This one says you are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. We are preserving this earth. We are executing dominion to preserve what God created. We talking about not just the earth, but marriage, preserving parenting, preserving identity in Christ, preserving the things that God created. That's what the saltiness is for. Now we're getting into the actual ability of reaching the world. It says you are the light of the world, not the light of the earth. The earth don't need no light. It got a moon and a sun. <laughs> and, uh, the world got a moon and a sun. Don't need no light. The earth don't need no light. It needs salt. The world needs the light. Light is needed because the world is dark. The light must be exposed to expose. It says you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. It says, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. And most people are doing that. They're, 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 you can't hide the light of Christ. And so what they do is, let me dim him down. Let me put myself up under a table. Let me hide myself because I don't really want people to know what I believe. No, man, you got to do. People are dying and set up to go to hell, yo. We got to be focused. We got to be vigilant. We got to be disciplined. We got to be diligent to ensure that, that the people of God, that people who are predestined, people who are the called out ones, the people that we're supposed to be beacons for. You have to understand the Bible says broad is the way that leads to destruction and many will be on it. The narrow is the way, narrow is the gate, narrow is the way and few will find it. Like this, the numbers ain't God ain't a, a man of numbers. He don't care about the numbers. He cares about his. You see what I'm saying? So we're so busy trying to save the whole world that we're diluting the believer from being developed. We're hindering the believer from being developed and strengthened in their walk with God. And we're, we're trying to reach this big mass of people when God just wants us to reach the specific ones. Light is needed because the world is dark. Oh, good question, Aaron. Aaron says, so what does it mean to lose your saltiness? It means losing your focus, losing your fervor, losing your fruit. Losing your saltiness means that that you are you are there. As soon as you were saved, you were you became. As soon as Christ came into your life through the Holy Spirit, you became salt and you became light. But what happens oftentimes when this person who has been saved by God, even though they're in the kingdom of God, somewhere along the path they have became stagnant. They have became invested in the world. They have been uh, made uh, um, carnal. They have they have got so consumed in the world that they have lost their saltiness. They're no longer effective. <clears throat> you got ball players. You got a lot of people who were once in a league effective. And then all of a sudden they got into drugs. They got into with this girl. And now they're no longer effective on the court. But there was a point in their life where they were effective, but they lost their saltiness. They lost their focus. They lost their fervor. They lost their fruit. In order to lose the fruit, because the fruit is what draws people to the tree, who draws people to the vine, that's Christ. When you lose your fruit, right? When you lose your fruit, it's evident because you lost your focus or your focus. Let's break it like this. You lose your fruit because you lost your fervor. The fervor comes from the vine. You lose your fervor when you lose your focus. You lose your focus when you lose your fellowship. You lose your fellowship when you lose your faith. Faith is what builds fellowship. Fellowship is what increased focus. Focus is what builds fervor. Fervor is what produced fruit. Now, your second question is this. Uh, uh, but can you get it back? Yeah, you can get it back. Repent. <clears throat> Turn from your sin. Confess your sin. Welcome the Holy Spirit to renew that area. And then you will become effective again. But it boils down to where you lacked faith. 
Where did you lose faith in God? God, I don't trust you in this, so I'm going to focus on this. And when you, oh, I'm a fellowship with this. I'm a fellowship with the world. And now that world got your attention. It got your focus. Now you've given all this fervor, all this energy to this world system. And now you've given uh, to this. Now you're bearing fruit for the world. Are you bearing fruit from the modern day one world church and you're not producing no fruit for the kingdom? Yes, you can get it back. It's called repentance. It's called Holy Spirit. I repent. I confess my sins. I renew my mind. Help me to live for you again. And right now, it's, it's, this is the wrong time to be distracted, y'all. Let's keep going for time's sake. Let me get my notes back up. Great question, Aaron. I appreciate that. Light is needed because the world is dark. The light must be exposed to expose. Expose yourself. And what I mean by exposure, I'm not sitting there saying, tell everybody you and, and bang on their life. I'm a Christian. No, let your light so shine. Like, 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 let the love of God shine. Let the joy of God shine. Let your separation shine. Let that you're committed to the things of God. Light shines because light is difficult. The reason why people don't want to be light because light brings tension. Light brings tension to darkness. Darkness don't want to be exposed. So showing your light is not just love. Showing your light is showing the tough side of that love. Showing that your light is showing the truth. That when people say, hey, let's go here. No, I don't do that. Let's go do this. I don't do that. Why? Because I'm distinct. I'm different. Most people, I don't want to offend nobody. It's okay to be offended if there's the truth. The truth is supposed to offend, but we don't want to be offensive. Therefore, we swallow the truth instead of letting the truth to come out and actually bring a distinction. How many people could we have reached if we were just willing lights? If we were willing to tell the truth, you welcome, Aaron. You see what I'm saying? Truth hurts, man. Light, 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 like it illuminates, it, it, it reveals. If nothing is revealed, how can anyone be healed? The Bible says in John 3 that people don't want to come to light lest their deeds be exposed. But I'm going to shine a light so that those that want to be saved have a place to go to for their lives to be open. Say, God, get this out of me. I see this for what it really is as a detriment to me. Light is needed because the world is dark. The light must be exposed to expose. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Compromise can't drive out carnality. Darkness can't drive out darkness. We are tempted to hide our lights so we won't offend those in the dark. But what's more offensive is hiding our lights from the people who desire to be drawn out of it, drawn out of the darkness. That's more offensive. People looking at you like, man, you're supposed to be different. I work at a Christian school right now. The New Yorkers that's in our school. They, they may mention like, what's the difference? I'm glad that there's a difference here. You know what I'm saying? I can't I can't compromise. Well, let me start talking New York so I can draw the New York people. Let me let me do this so I can draw them. No, let me just be the light. And if they want the light, they'll come to the light. Light don't follow darkness. Light, light just expose it. Light ain't sitting. This light in the room ain't sitting there talking about, oh, did Josh, do you do you do you want me to shine this bright? No, it just does what it does. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. We are tempted to hide our lights so we won't offend those in the dark. But what's more offensive is hiding our lights from the people who desire to be drawn out. There are certain people that are struggling with the lie, hoping that you tell them the truth. I got to tell you the truth about music. I got to tell you the truth about the, the demonic schemes in movies. I got to tell you the truth about unequal yoke relations. I got to tell you the truth about this modern day church. I got to tell you the truth because I'm going to be held accountable. 
Josh, did you compromise so that you can kind of reach all these carnal people? And what if God bring out the metrics for real, for real? And God be like, your ministry didn't convert anybody. You had a lot of followers. You had a lot of great people. Hoorah, hoorah. But nobody was able to come to the Messiah because you kept focus on the numbers versus focus on the ones that are in my number. I don't got time to be telling y'all lies. And then all of a sudden y'all lay down and become stagnant and become ineffective. No, we got to build up an army. We got to realize who we are. So that we can be different to make a difference in the world. I don't got time to be liked. I don't, it, we can't be liked anymore. Who cares? Persecution is coming. And if you're afraid to be persecuted, then you might not be, you may not be a Christian. It is what it is. He said you will be persecuted for my name's sake. But I'd rather, I'd rather be persecuted for the things of God. I don't care. I don't mind losing anything for the things of God because I'm not connected to that system. Compromising leads you to be connected to the world system. Therefore, when you taste the world system, you don't want to let the world go because the world will make you comfortable. Let you know that we your source and we can get you things quicker. No, I, when, you can strip anything away from me because I'm not connected to it. When you connect it to the most high and you and you, you will speak confidently, you will speak clearly, you will speak without compromise because, you know, you're not connected. The reason why many people are not willing to be different is because they're the differences in their money. They don't want to let that money go. They won't let that person. They know who cares. You know, God and God owns a cow on a thousand hills. It is what it is. Fighting for a place you're only going to be temporary when you should be willingly flowing with the Holy Spirit to go to a place that's really your own. Let's keep going. Compromise dims our light. It is written, the cowardly will not. That's right. Yep, persecution will come. That's right, Kia. Kia uh, Kiara says, it is written, the cowardly will, they, they will not. This is, this is not an easy faith. The modern church culture makes it seem like it's easy, but it's not. Can you elaborate on fervor? I sure can. Fervor is is the the excitement the awe of god it's the it's that built up it's that energy it's that sensitivity fervor is essential fervor let's look at the definition of fervor maybe it's one of those old church words that i don't know the definition of <laughs> fervor by definition intense and passionate feeling intense heat Intense and passionate feeling. That's what fervor means. That I am intense about the things of God. I'm passionate about it. But when, when it begins to wane, your fervor is like, ah, God just cool. He's just someone I talk to every now and then. You ever had that point in your walk with God where there was strong fervor for him, strong excitement for him? Then all of a sudden it started waning. It's by design, my friend, by design. But fervor is that, that invested intensity, that, that intensity that's built from investment in God, that intensity and, and passion that's invested from your prayer time, from your time in the pages, from your time with fellowship with common people in the faith, that, that builds that, that when you have that faith and intensity for God, you will be able to say, hey, like Daniel, Hey, man, I ain't going to stop praying because y'all got lions. God made them lions. It is what it is. You'll be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Be like, I ain't bowing to your God. If I die, I die. Player out of the body's presence with the Lord. Absent from the body's presence with the Lord. If I die, I die. But my God is able to deliver me. That's fervor. But if you finicky and you don't really know your faith like that, when persecution comes at your door, you will be finicky. But when you got fervor, the reason why people not really seeing God come on behalf of them is because they, they're, they're, they're finicky. But when you got faith in God, if I dies, I dies. But my God is well able to deliver me, player. When you got that kind of fervor. That's invested in the good times that you focused and invested in it. No soldier shoots their first gun when it's wartime. They've been shooting 
Basketball players don't get their shot in the finals for the first time they've been shooting. You can't just, when it's tough times, then try to get ready. You'll be like the five unwise virgins who didn't have enough oil in their lamps. You got to be a person that's about this every day, just in case. I'm making sure I know how to hit that clip and do what I got to do. I know what I do with these words. I know what to do with the pages so that when times do come, when times do come, memory muscle, muscle memory. Jennifer says, what now? It's hard to tell people the truth because we know we have flaws. Great question, Jennifer. It's hard to tell people the truth. See, the truth don't got nothing to do with you. There's two things I'm going to add to that. First off, if that is what's making you afraid to tell the truth, then fix those areas. Allow the Holy Spirit to fix those areas so that you can stand confident in telling the truth. Second of all, if the truth ain't got nothing to do with me, the truth is the truth is for all of us. I'll fall short. So the truth, telling the truth is not about I'm better than you. Tell the truth in love. Tell the truth in love. Now, it depends on what level of love you're in. The, the people in the world, they may get a, a more empathetic truth. Those that are close to you, they may get that tough truth, right? So, so I'm going to tell my family, those who I know in the faith, my, my, my delivery of the truth may be different because, because of where we are in our love relationship. How I talk to my wife will be tender, but it just trust the truth is the truth. She talks to me truth to truth because our relationship's at that level. Now, the truth that I tell people in the world that may not know me or whatever, whatever, is going to be not, not, it's not going to be altered. It's going to be more tender, more empathy, more understanding, more patience, etc. But if it's hard to tell people the truth because we know we have flaws, then fix those flaws. But it's, it's easy to tell the truth where you've applied truth. But it's also the best way to tell the truth is let people see the truth effective in your life. That I've applied this truth and this is what it's done for me. Let's keep going. Great question, Jennifer. I'm out here in the mission field staying ready. So I don't. That's right. You got if, if, if There's no need to get ready when you when you already ready. Let's keep going. Compromise dims our light. Dimmed light strains the eyes more than bright lights. Compromise dims our light. So now the people are like, oh, are you a Christian? I can't really tell. Are you light? I see a little flicker there. You dimmed your light for me? No, no, no. Truth don't, truth don't buckle down to help somebody up. Truth don't dim his light so that, so that people can feel comfortable. You, it is not a comfortable faith. It is not comfortable. It's a bloody faith. It's a faith of death. Dying to yourself daily. This is not a faith of comfort. This, this is, a, this is a walk that is, that is, that is, that is about life and death. This ain't no peaceful time. We ain't no peaceful time. We can have peace in these times, but these ain't peaceful times. War time is never peaceful times. We can have peace in these times, but it's not peaceful times. We are in war and we got to operate accordingly. Let's keep going. I was trying to go 30 minutes, but I'm at the 46 minute out, 46 minute part. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. So basically, now, how do we not dim our lights? Like I said, with the F's, we got to we got to invest in our uh, or we got to look at where we lack faith in God. Where in your life do you lack faith in God? Let's start there, because then we have the honest conversation with the father that this is where I lack faith. Then God will build your faith. And the word of God says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you got to start reading the word of God and building faith in it. And that faith will lead to fellowship and fellowship will then lead to focus. What do you need to focus on right now? What change do you need to make? What focus? What is God's mission for your life? That focus then leads to fervor because the more you focus on the things of God, thinking on things that are above, investing in the things that are lo of love, then you will become seeing yourself above and not beneath the head and not the tail. And that fervor will increase because you've seen God's faithful track record. 
And then all of a sudden now you're bearing the fruit that then draws people to the tree. You know what doesn't follow you? Trees don't follow you. If you want shade, if you want fruit, you come to the tree. Christians ain't supposed to be all out there. Hey, you compromise. No, 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 no. If you need fruit and you need shade, you know where I'm at. You know what I'm saying? A gas station don't follow you. A hospital don't follow you. You see what I'm saying? You go to it. And when they see that you're a city on a hill that cannot be hit, they're going to be like, that city is, is on a hill. It's away from um, any type of reach. And, and, it's, a, and, it's, and, it's, and it's just in his uh, 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 majesty and, and his beauty is sitting on a hill and it's like it cannot be hidden. They'll come to you. Holy, Oh, y'all got questions? But yeah, it is what it is. We got to get to a place where we say, God, I'm going to be different. I'm going to be distinct. I'm not going to compromise. And I'm going to talk to the people right now that may have problems with what I just said or what I've said in these 45 minutes or so. You are part of this carnal um, church culture. And what's happening right now, you're giving clearance to demonic things. When you think that the devil's defeated, you start entertaining demonic things because the devil loves to use terms for them to bring harm in our lives. What I mean by that is they'll love to put schizophrenia. They'll love to give terms a sleep paralysis. They love to give terms to this is okay. Oh, God, God loves you and all this stuff. They'll put terms. So when people go, like, well, this person said it's okay or this what this is. You start treating the symptoms and the source issue, the root issue, the open door is wide open for demons. It's still called cycles of oppression in that person's life. It is what it is, man. We have to be light. We have to be salt. We must not dim our lights. We must not lose our saltiness. We must increase in our fellowship like never before. We, we right now should be building our faith right now in good times or while times are easy. So that when times are tough, we can still preach the gospel even in the midst. I got time for one or two questions that I'm done. True. Take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take out the speck in your eye, brother's eye. And people look at that, J. Lamb, and when they say don't judge, you know, the Bible says judge righteously. We're not supposed to judge unrighteously. We're supposed to judge righteously. The Bible says, and it continues to give metaphorically that you're able to judge your brother correctly when you take the beam out of your eye. So he's saying once you judge yourself, you will then know how to judge accurately. It is what it is. We are to be persecuted. That's, it is what it is. We're going to lose following Christ. But anything you lose for following Christ is actually a game. You're going to lose friends. You may lose a job. You may lose a lot of things. But when you plugged into his system, you will never lose anything. This girl I know says God doesn't punish us, but he does if we keep being disobedient. God merciful, but doesn't give us right to keep abusing it. Also, she says fornication does not send you to hell if you have the Holy Spirit. What you think, Josh? Well, God doesn't punish. Sin does it by itself. See, God is not sitting there being like, um, I'm going to put cancer on you. I'm going to put disease on you. That's not how God does things. Your sin will punish you. Sin is a tormentor. Sin is a punishment. The consequence of sin does the punishment. Now, when the Bible talks about he chastens those whom he loves, and he talks about in Psalms 23, it says, uh, David says, thy rod and thy staff, they come from me. Chastening means pruning, renewing your mind, stripping you from the difficulties of idolatry. That hurts. When God starts removing things, it feels like a, a punishment, but it's actually pruning, right? So punishment, we have to make sure we look at it differently. It's not punishment, it's pruning. Pruning is uh, pricking, you at, pricking you at the area where you are uh, uh, facing with insecurities, idolatry, and identity issues. Stripping you from those different things by revelation and giving you insight of the things of God. Those things are painful and they feel like punishment. Or oh, I'm losing my friends, I'm losing my job, I'm losing money. It feels like punishment, but it's actually pruning. 
Sin's punishment is the consequences of the sin. That's what happens. When, when you end sin, you reap the consequences of it. And when she said that fornication doesn't send you to hell, a person that does not repent for their sin, a person that's not been sealed by the spirit of God, a person that continues to practice sin is going to hell. That lady's deceived. If she continues in that sin and she has no remorse for it and she's not willing to be redeemed out of it and she's not recognized who she is in Christ and, and his imputed righteousness on her, she will end up in hell, my friend. It is what it is. You don't go to hell for a particular sin. You go to hell for one sin, and that's the complete denial of the Holy Spirit. It's when you do resist his work in your life. And people think that's dr dramatic and, and big. No, that's the root sin. The root sin of all sins is idolatry. I don't want God's saving grace. I don't want salvation through Christ through faith, through grace through faith. I don't want that. I want to do my own life. And what happens, many modern day cultural preachers are putting stamps saying you save and that person's not converted. The worst crimes ever committed is a person telling someone they're saved with no fruit of conversion. Hope they help. Uh, I got time for one more. I got to go. It's getting late. Jennifer Webb says, I've grown and saw my mom verbally abused, belittle my dad several times. I talked to my dad about a uh, uh, dad, but he won't stop it. They're married. I have a good relationship with both. Any advice on what I should do? <clears throat> That's a choice he made. What I would do is pray for them. I would ask the Holy Spirit, what should I do? Uh, um, just, just hit that tree over and over again in prayer. I believe in the name of Jesus that peace and love will be in my, in, in my mom and dad's marriage. All right? And keep hitting that tree over and over again. Intercede for them. Stand in the gap for them. And we'll see what goes on from there. But there's nothing you really can do if he chooses to do it. I will also pray that God reveals to him his insecurities. Maybe she's belittling him, verbally abusing him because of what he did years back. And he's full of guilt. The Holy Spirit will then pray, help you pray that you will help you stand in the gap for him. That the guilt has come to the surface and he can repent for that sin. So he can operate in his, in his role as the head of the house and, and, and let everything fall like it falls. Hope they help. Gotta go, Law. I love y'all. Um, how do you prepare when you know? Uh, how do Chanel Sh uh, Shante says, How do you prepare when you know more pruning and breakthroughs on the way? You just open yourself up. A patient has no choice but to be patient. Let the surgeon work. So, how do you prepare? It's prepare your heart for, for the pruning. What you do, you get a notebook and say, Okay, I'm gonna journal and vent my experience through the pruning phase. So that I can really know and know what's going on so that my heart won't be troubled. Hope they help. Love y'all. Uh, books and resources available online. You go to my website right now. Um, Iamunplugged.com. There you can find all my books, card games, resources, all that good stuff. Uh, my new book just came out. Uh, Counterfeiter Counterpart. How to continue to discern the difference in every area of your life. Um, those um, uh, that books available on Amazon. Of course, with my other books, The Purpose of Singleness. My dating prep book, The Purpose of Freedom, and I have two other books, Unplug and World War Me, and my first ch uh, kids uh, children's book, as he says, that book's available online as well. Uh, what else I have? I think that's it. I love y'all. See y'all next time. Peace.